Happy holidays, Alexis. Oh, it is the holidays, isn't it? It is. And this is the season finale of season two. Oh, that's so wonderful. This was such a good season. That we, I loved all of our guest stars. I loved, I just loved everything about this season. It's only getting better from here. Yes. I, honestly, I just, I don't know what else to say. Um, but a quick reminder, since this is the season finale, we are going to take a couple of weeks off of our recordings before we start season three. Um, next week's episode, which we will post, is going to be a repeat episode of the Gus's dad might have killed a guy, but just letting it all hang out pretty much because <laughs> it's the holiday episode and we're just going to let people hear what we do without all the edits. Bathroom breaks, <laughs> all the ums, all the... <laughs> every time Kaylee cracks her nails or her knuckles, every time my oh phone my beeps, it's it's going to be... <laughs> okay, editing a certain episode... And I literally started to crack my knuckles when Kaylee on the recording started cracking her <laughs> knuckles. And I was like, I'm out of control. That's wonderful. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. I'm sorry about that. I, I know it bothers people. I hope it doesn't bother you that much. I can't help it. No, I figured out how to find them and edit them out really quickly. So life is good. But I do have a correction from last episode. So I just or almost finished editing season two, episode 15. And we talk about an oxygen bar in that episode. And Kaylee asked me what it was, and I pretended like I knew what it was. And I said something along the lines of, like, it's not a upper or a downer. It's just kind of a, ah, refreshing. And although I was kind of correct with that statement, I'm a little bit incorrect because I finally Googled it. So first things first, for just the low, low price of $29.95, that's $2,995. You can purchase oh your own oxygen bar for your own house. I know. I was right about the smoking it like a hookah thing, although you're not really smoking it, which is a whole different conversation. But they are flavored, if you will. So there's this like aromatherapy effect of getting 95% straight alcohol with like the aromatherapy on top of it. And so you mean oxygen or is it alcohol? Oh, it is. It is oxygen. I'm sorry. Okay. Bobby. Okay. <laughs> they're 95% alcohol. Woo. So there is like a, a refreshing effect of it, but also people have noted that they are in better moods when they're done, that they have less pain when they're done, that overall they just like feel better from that, that huge intake of direct oxygen. So I was a little bit right and a little bit wrong, but I wanted to clarify. Wow. Okay. I still feel like it sounds like a fire hazard and kind of a waste well, to vape oxygen. Yeah, probably a, a big old fire hazard. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, it's not from this hobbit, but go off, I guess. Yeah. I mean, if you're <laughs> going to smoke something, oxygen's like probably not the worst thing to do. Aren't you almost huffing it? I was about like... to say it's more huffing than smoking, but yeah. <laughs> Oh, wow. Thanks for teaching us that, Alexis. Yeah, I just had to Google it after I talked about it. I was like, there's more to this than I was implying, and I need to understand it. Hmm, interesting. But yeah, that's okay. my only big correction for this episode. Do you want to get started? It's showtime. This is To, to the, the Blueberry! 
I am Alexis, and I am a real-life Gus. I'm Kaylee, and I'm the real-life Sean. And this is our Psych Rewatch podcast, where we just decided to get together and have a fun conversation once a week, and it's been amazing. Today, we are rewatching Season 2, Episode 16, Sean and Gus of the Dead. First pop culture reference. <laughs> With so many more to come. So many. And they're just, like, peppered throughout. They're, like, barely... You don't have time to, like, marinate that you've just heard something. It's just, like, something is said. Just off the cuff. Doesn't even matter. Moving on. (laughs) I missed so many of them for that very reason. Like, I just could not keep up. Yeah. Um, We also star in 1987 with a classic horror movie. I did not double check, but I think it's The Creature from the Black Lagoon. It is, yep. Okay, I was like, it's not Swamp Thing. or. <laughs> um, okay, so this movie, this old movie, is playing on an old television set in the 80s, and uh, a woman with a towel on her, re- uh, on her head, who is berobed, stands up and says, I'm going to get a drink. And Henry is like, oh, get me one too. And you just sort of hear her go, okay. So we don't, <laughs> we don't know what color her hair is. We don't know what she looks like. We're keeping her a secret. But we can make a very clear assumption that this is Sean's mom. And this is our first Sean mom sighting in any of our flashbacks. Yes. Even though I've asked about her before, like, where is she during this? Because Henry's doing terrible. <laughs> um... Sean is, like, sneaking down the steps, and he's sneaking around the corner, and he's watching the creature from the Black, of the Black Lagoon, from the Black, Black Lagoon, whatever it is. And Henry, in all of his genius, scares the poor boy. He does. Um, he's like, Sean, what's going on? You were supposed to be asleep two hours ago. He's like, well, I snuck down, and now I'm too scared to go back up. Henry tries to soothe him so poorly. He's like, people don't become bloodthirsty monsters after they get shot. Instead, things just sometimes explode. Dead bodies don't walk, son. Sometimes they suddenly blink or jolt for a second, but mostly they just wither and smell and drizzle and ooze. How terrible is that for little baby Sean? And he's trying really hard to sort of grimace smile to his dad. Like, don't. Don't feed his ego. He's not doing a good job. Where's your mother? (laughs) (laughs) Getting a drink, apparently. My next line in my notes just say, good luck sleeping now, little baby Sean. Oh my gosh. I had questions. They're not even worth asking. They're rhetorical. Basically, Henry's a big (laughs) dum-dum. Yes. (sighs) Next scene. We're at the museum, and I didn't write down the name. Did you write down the full name? Uh, Started with an S. And then I kind of thought you would write it down. But I keep calling it the museum. The museum. And it is 4 a.m. And before we move on, I need to take a moment. Lassiter in this scene. With his, like, hair with a little bit less salt and a little bit more pepper. And his collar's open. And he's got his, like, black tie on. And I'm just like, dang, Lassie. Oh, I love 4 a.m. Lassie. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a, it, was like, it was, like, on point. I noted it a couple of times in this scene, how good he looks. But he's carrying this, like... I did Oh, my gosh. I don't know how you missed it. I was watching it with my husband, I guess. (laughs) Oh, that's fair. I was not. I was sitting in my office here 
taking notes going, dang. <laughs> Lassiter has all this like false bravado. He's talking about this big case that he's been working and uh, this is so beneath him and everything. Oh yeah, it's not even the museum downtown. <laughs> and he's just like pretending like um, the paper hasn't been covering this big case until... Buzz brings him today's paper because it's 4 a.m. You know, it's ready to run. And he's like, oh, boss, you're not in the paper. And Lassiter is so upset. That's impossible. I leaked that stuff about the will getting changed yesterday. Like, Lassiter had planned to be there. Oh, yeah. And before, uh, so every every issue has been mentioning this case, the Wiles case. Yes. And every issue has been mentioning lead detective Carlton Lassiter. And so he just keeps checking in because he's loving this. He's like lapping it up. But today's paper, it's not in there. And he's like really disappointed because he's been leaking stuff. And it's the Santa Barbara Mirror, apparently. Okay. He also reads the paper to check the classifieds because he's looking for a full-sized big boy. Well, <laughs> he tells Juliet, oh, I don't even really care. I just, I, I'm checking the classifieds to find a new big boy. And then Buzz asks if he wants like a full size. And he does sort of like a little <laughs> measure up to his chest, like a full size. Uh, but then we meet Sophie. She is the museum's assistant curator. Lassie and... is so of, dismissive of her. It makes me so angry. He's like, I'm going to need to talk to someone in charge. I am in charge. The curator is off in Egypt procuring the rest of the collection for this big exhibit that opened just yesterday. And Juliet says she sounds in charge. Girls and empowering girls. I love that. Yes. So she's showing them to the mummy room. Do, do, do. It just, oh, the exhibit just opened yesterday. And Lassiter is like, this isn't a big deal. It's probably just a prank. No, it is a big deal, Lassiter, because the mummy is missing. And he's 3,000 years old, sir. But he does think that he's probably just, like, some sort of, like, worker, and he probably mummified himself. (laughs) Yeah, he's, like, not even a royal food taster. This guy's a nobody. Also, Juliet says, have we heard about the Night Watchman? And apparently this dude's missing, too. His name is Thomas F. Hastings. Hastings. I just call him Hastings. Uh, No, it's Doug, isn't it? Douglas F. Hastings? I don't know. I wrote Thomas for some reason. <laughs> anyway. Hastings. I call him Hastings. Everyone Hastings. We do find out that Hastings is a previously incarcerated gentleman, but he has been with the museum for seven years, and they have a pretty intense security system, although it is off for being updated about a year. About a year. The board of directors has been pushing off updating it for a little while now, but it's still pretty sophisticated. Uh, Sophie says, we have a very abulic board of directors. And Lassie says, I'm going to have to talk to all of them and get their statements when the sun rises. And then Lassiter says, we've got other high profile cases to work on. Ones without archaic security systems. And then he just starts like barking orders like, Juliet, I'm going to need an APB on the guard's car. Look up what abulic means and then meet me at the station. <laughs> I looked so up what it means. Look up. Thank you. <laughs> yes, it means the lack of ability to act or make decisions. Also, it means super neurotic. This is like a neuroses. It's basically like executive dysfunction. <laughs> yeah. A couple more things that uh, we find out pretty quickly is that the alarm 
from the missing mummy was actually triggered from the inside of the display and that there was no images in the entire somewhat old security system of the culprit or the mummy exiting the building. And curator Sophie thinks it might be something supernatural. Yeah, she said it disappeared in 15 seconds or less and nothing got caught on tape. So it's not some petty crime. It This might sound a little like woo-woo or she calls it a little Shirley MacLaine. <laughs> but I think something supernatural is going on here and we need someone with those skills to get this done. I want him. She points at the most beautiful plaque that I've ever seen and it's just Sean like squatting next to Zippy from... 600 million years under the sea or whatever that is called. <laughs> yeah, the dinosaur one. The holes one. <laughs> yes. The holes one, right. And uh, he's chilling with Zippy. And then it said, um, the actual uh, the actual plaque said, Dis- Zippy discovered by psychic paleo sleuth Sean Spencer. Photo by something else we'll get to in a minute. And Lassiter looked at it, kind of shook his head and said, no, you don't. Julia pulls out her cell phone. You think he's up? (laughs) Cut to Sean picking up his phone as he's taking pictures of this shady suit man. It's a man and a woman. They seem to be outside some sort of like sleazy motel. And when he answered, I'm not exactly sure how we get there, but Sean looked at or Sean said to Juliet, do you want to watch a movie with me over the phone? Please tell me it's Father of the Bride 2. How about Captain Ron? Pure luck? You don't have anything with Martin Short? (laughs) And all I want to hear is Juliet's side of that conversation. I know, because then he accuses her of drunk dialing him (laughs) since it's 4.25 a.m. He finds out that they want him at the museum. They love me down there. Are you kidding? Did you see my plaque? (laughs) And now we're back at the museum. Back at the plaque. And Sean says, "Uh uh-oh. Gus is going to have an aneurysm. And not the good kind. Not the good kind. (laughs) (laughs) So the photo name under the photo says, by Bruton Gaster. B-R-U-T-O-N-G-A-S-T-E-R. Bruton Gaster. Which I love because eventually Sean calls him Gasty. Yeah, and like the first scene that he has with Gus, but he doesn't show up for a while. So Lassie says, um, can we please focus? Or something like it. And as they're walking away, Sean goes, is that a real beaver? And just points to something (laughs) off camera. So Sophie's like, oh my gosh, hi. And we love you here. And he's like, I know. And I love you. Yeah, we get a lot of, he says, I know, I'm this, I know, I'm this, I know. And then we love you here. I love you, metaphorically speaking. Because he then looks at Juliet and goes, what? You had your shot. (laughs) And then he proceeds to psych out, and oh boy, this one's a doozy. The psych out includes, like, lunges and push-ups, and he's very obviously showing off for the ladies. He makes her giggle at one point, Sophie, anyway. Yes, I think it's supposed to be for both of them, but maybe it's supposed to be for Sophie. I'm not sure. As he's walking around, he's, like, pointing at these different artifacts, and he goes, Have it. Have it. Want it. Mine's bigger. I have a problem. The layout of this display is horrible. They're horrible. horrible. (laughs) Really? We need two of these? Queen Nefertiti? Nefertiti. 
I've heard it both ways. We actually get a heard it both ways. I was so excited. I just like almost smacked Levi in the head. I just flailed. (laughs) I was watching, when I did my first watch through and I noticed it, I was laying in my bed and I just started like slapping my pillow. I was like, yes, yes, yes. Oh my. (laughs) I was very excited. But there were some clues that he noticed while he was trying to show off to the curator. There is a handprint on the display, but it looks like it's on the inside of the glass. Dun, dun, dun. There are feet prints walking away from the sarcophagus, not walking to it. Yeah. um, Okay. And they're bare footprints. So you can see like little toes. Yeah. Finally, Sean goes, I'm going to have to confer with Detective Carlito Lazatones. Thank you. On this one. (laughs) That mummy was not stolen. I'm afraid it walked out all on its own. The music cue we get here. Bomb, 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 bomb. It's very, okay, it's very, um, Dr. Facilier from The Princess and the Frog. Are you ready? (laughs) Like, that's the opening of it. I like that. right, that's when we get our credits, though. That's the end of that scene, man. I love all of the names that Sean calls Lassiter in this episode. He also says a lot of Egyptian stuff wrong hilariously. Yes. Um... Nerfertiti is not my favorite, but no. Rub My Bottom is. And we'll yes, okay. What's the thing's name? It's... Rum and Totem? Rum and Totem. I kept it in a tune in common, and I'm like, no, no, that's King Tut. It's, it's not him. <laughs> okay. When we end our credits at the SBPD, Lassiter is there with Juliet and... Sean and Lassiter's like, come on, you're just pr- trying to impress the pretty little assistant curator. Was she pretty? I didn't notice. Oh, please. Brown eyes, languid smile, long slender neck of a Balanchine dancer. I had to look that up. <laughs> and a Balanchine, okay, George Balanchine is the father of modern ballet. He's the father oh. of U.S. ballet. He's um, an ethnic Georgian-American um, choreographer. Fascinating. Yeah. He basically, like, changed the landscape. <laughs> did, and we can cut this part out, but did he change it to, like, not needing to have, like, super skinny, deathly no, ballerinas? No, he, he, he's, he's not that modern. He mm-hmm. So he just kind of, like, took it away from, like, the very, like... Um, classical style that it was and he added a lot more i don't know sort of athleticism a lot of explosive movements and like okay yeah it made it more expressive i think but yeah the the way things are done now is sort of like a um a a symbiosis of like like the classical style and his style because Mm -hmm. yeah he departed so much i guess juliet is upset at lassiter's comment about Sophie, because she got her hair cut last week and he didn't even notice. No, she wore three different hairstyles, completely different hairstyles last week, and he didn't say a damn thing. (laughs) That's it. Chief Vic calls them into her office. Um, not before Sean says something about, like, guys, I'm serious. I felt it. It did not exit the, the museum. 
but it, it went deeper into the body of the museum. <laughs> so he's still on about the mummy. And then we're in Chief's office. Yes, yes, yes. The story goes, when Chief Vic took this interim chief position, the idea was that she would become the chief eventually. However, nothing has happened. So she gave the mayor a deadline to make the decision, and she has gotten no response. So effective Friday, she's no longer chief. Oh, we missed a joke. I, I was, like, very confused by my notes because when she oh. said she has an announcement and Sean goes, if it's about Lassiter's third testicle, we already know. And everybody's <laughs> face, it just proves that it was, like, actual improv. And then Chief tells him it's not the time for jokes and he checks his watch. Oh, I don't know that I noticed that. I, I noticed it the second time through, like, that he was checking his watch. I was like, why is he checking the time? And I was like, it's no time for the jokes. Time for jokes. <laughs> so Juliet's outraged. Sean asks the chief, is she sure she doesn't just want to wait a little bit longer? I didn't get it on the first watch through. On the second watch through, I was putting a lot of little pieces together of things that, like, no attention was really drawn to. But it all adds up at the end. So watching it twice in a row really hit it home for me. So mm -hmm. he's asking her if she doesn't maybe want to little, wait a little bit longer. She tells him no. And then Lester's like, wait a minute. You mean the job's open? Did anyone mention my name? Chief says, I believe they have someone in mind. And Sean says, Chief, you're great. I'm sure it's all gonna work everything out. will work out. <laughs> and Chief... Um, dismisses them and they all still like hang around too long she's like out out get out of my office <laughs> i just called them glum chums because everybody's just like depressed yeah. now they were just like awkwardly standing around it was it was kind of a sad moment like where but, do we go from here well we go to the psych office where we finally get to see gus and sean is watching the security videos from the museum but he stands up and starts blocking the tv from gus he Gus is kind of confused that there's only one videotape of the entire museum, and Sean said, "Ah, this is pretty much more, pretty more. Uh, this is much more sophisticated than I thought. It seems like you can't leave the museum without getting caught on camera." And then finally, he's like, "Okay, I think we should go check it out, but there's one more thing we should. But there's one more thing you should know before we go to the museum." Yes, before we leave the scene, because this is when we leave the scene, Sean is wearing a long sleeve t-shirt, but it is striped, and Gus is wearing a green collared shirt, but it is kind of checkered slash plaid. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know what it means, but I noticed it. <laughs> as soon as that scene cuts, it, it cuts to a close-up on the plaque, and Gus is... Gus is mad about it. <laughs> and, and Sean was like, well, I uh, I gave them the information while I was driving through the tunnel. That might have been the problem. And then Gus is like, and um, what is it that you aren't telling me? And Sean's keeping his mouth shut for the time being. And then we run into Sophie. You must be Mr. Gaster. It's Burton Guster. <laughs> I was just giving Gasty here all the specifics on the case. <sighs> Ooh. And um, because he came so early and Gus didn't believe that he was there at 5 a.m. And Sean goes, no, I was up. I was working on a case. And he goes, what case? We're not still taking cases about cheating boyfriends, are we? That's beneath us, Sean. Last time we only cleared 50 bucks. 
Come on, I'm trying to look cool. So we go back to the mummy room, and... Oh, wait, what? Gus isn't walking with us. As, <laughs> as John and Sophie are walking, Sean said... The mummy walked across the floor, not unlike an Egyptian. Gus could show you, and when he turns around, Gus refuses to walk into the room. I thought this was over in the sixth grade, but no, he's afraid of being cursed. He's convinced he will be cursed. He goes, look at all those guys who were there when they opened King Tut's tomb. All right? All of them are dead now. But that was 80 years ago, Gus. (laughs) But the curator thinks that Gus might be right. Like, he might have some logic in his statement. Yeah, he's not that far off as far as, like, supposed curses of, you know, the mummy's resting places. Um. Finally, the curator said, well, how about we go check out the security camera room? And Gus agrees to go there. Yeah. They realize it's a pretty good system, and they make a, a plan. Gus is going to watch the screen, and Sean is going to try to cheat the system. And they're going to stay on their cell phones the whole time so that they can communicate. But Gus refuses to make the call because this is his work phone. I don't understand, Gus. It's it's a monthly plan. It's it's usage minutes. No matter if you make <laughs> just the call, call me. Or not. <laughs> so this is where I wrote that this whole thing is a Verizon commercial uh, pop culture reference. In the early aughts, we had that Verizon commercial where the guy in the glasses walked around going, "Can you hear me now?" Good. Oh yeah. So Sean's running around trying to avoid the cameras and going. Can you see me? Can you see me now? Can you see me here? How about here? There's some pretty great music playing in the background. It's like lots of like drums and rock music and guitars. And I couldn't figure out what the actual song was, but I quite enjoyed it. But here's what I got as far as his hiding options. He tried crawling, hiding behind a plant, moving the plant across the floor, hiding behind a woman, using a carpet square. That was pretty good. You almost got me there. And then finally using a wolf pelt. We also get an entrapment pop culture reference because he, he's doing a very non-Catherine Zeta-Jones sneak around. Um, it's a whole thing. I just wrote music and shenanigans. <laughs> Sean tries hiding behind an exhibit and then the curator comes out and Sean mutes Gus to flirt with the curator. And Gus's imitation of Sean here is beautiful. And I wrote it all down because I really liked it. Go for it. So here we go. Look at me. I love my hair. I make obscure 80 references that no one understands. Laugh at me. (laughs) You know something about me? I have a motorcycle, but I never seem to be riding it. (laughs) It ends with Sean attempting to hide behind a cactus and then putting a bucket on his head. And then finally, he cannot be seen on the camera. But it was just for one second, Sean. I wrote, oops, a blind spot. Gus's battery on his phone dies and... Sean kind of sneaks in because Gus cannot find him on the camera and they have found the hiding spot. And then we go back to the SBPD where Lassie is sitting with someone we'll come to know is Mr. Wiles the fourth. Yes. And um, this dude, I, I just wrote, this dude looks like a thumb. <laughs> He's the most boring looking white man I've ever seen. You have, you have the quote that Lassie says here, don't you? Lasseter is like, okay, so I just have a couple things. I um, 
need to check some bank records, go over some papers, and exhume your father's body. And Wiles is like, what? And Lester goes, it's really just a formality. I can have him back in internal slumber by noon, 1.45 at the latest. I love that so much. So we're exhuming Wiles third. Um, So pin in that. And then we're at the museum, and Gus is like, this place must be closing soon. I was in there forever. I'm assuming he meant the bathroom. Um, and then the lights start turning off. He goes, what, what's going on? And Sean's like, I think it's just on a timer. And then... Why would they have a timer to turn off the lights if people are still here? (laughs) Well, that's because the museum closed 20 minutes ago. And they are staying. We get some, we get some little tidbits about how Sophie, um, loves to go to Red Robin, the restaurant. And all I hear every time someone says Red Robin is, Red Robin, yum. Yum. <laughs> so he's like, look, I, they're short a night guard. I kind of volunteered us. She was really happy about it. Plus, there's an exhibit I want to check into because it looks like it's already been broken into. And I have this theory that whoever did it might come back. If the intruder comes back and there's no night guard, they might get what they're looking for. But wouldn't it be cool if they got it? Or if they caught the guy because they were there. And Gus is, no, I can't spend the night in a museum. I don't have my toothbrush. I don't have my, my, I don't have my toothbrush. I don't have my multivitamins. And oh yeah, I don't want my soul suffering internal damnation for disturbing the sleep of an Egyptian canal digger. Wow. That was a great one, Lex. (laughs) So, um, they. But the, okay. We we gotta stop here before, before we go on. It is a huge fire hazard to have a building locked from the inside. Yeah, that's what I was like. I was like, they must have an emergency exit that opens when you hit it because they go around to all these doors and they're not opening from the inside. I'm like, no, that would that, that would never happen. That is absolutely impossible. Yeah, it was weird. I was like, you're doing it wrong. You must be. There's a way to open that. Anyway. When they are actually trying to open the door with the sensor, there's some, like, A-plus fiscal comedy going on. Shun's like, oh, there must be some sort of sensor. Like, just take a step back. And so Gus takes a step back, and then he pushes open the door again, and he kind of bumps into the door again, and just like, <laughs> And outside this glass door, they see what looks like a camera on a hill. Or Sean says it looks like a camera on a hill, and Gus said, who would leave their camera out on a hill to get ruined by the mist? Juliet calls Sean. We find out that Hastings is still missing. He did have an assault record with like seven different assaults and his car was finally located, but it was at the shop. The shop gave him a loaner. The loaner was a gray GMC pickup. And as they're looking outside right next to the blueberry, there sits a gray GMC pickup. Sean drops his phone and the phone breaks. Oh, those Motorola razors and how easily they broke. They have no phones, because if you remember, Gus ran out of battery, and now Sean has dropped his, and now he's like, all right, come with me, I want to show you the thing. So they go to this Confederate exhibit, and this is where the blind spot they found is. This little nook is outside the range of all of the cameras, and Gus doesn't like that he said nook. A corner? Well, you sign off on Cranny. Gus does not sign off on Cranny, but we call it Cranny multiple times. The first thing they notice is that the Confederate flag behind the display is hanging upside down. 
first of all, how do you know that a Confederate flag is hanging upside down, Sean? But more than that, there is dust on the bottom side. So he believes somebody knocked it over and hung it up upside down on accident. Again, I'm going to drop a plot hole here. How many frames do you know of that have hooks on both the top and the bottom for hanging? If it has one that is like in the middle, uh, you know, one of those wires. But you'd think in a museum it would be more secure. And I'm going to say that it has a like a little mini plaque in the frame or a a label or something that we don't get to see because we're never shown that whole thing. Um, That's true. That I think proves that it's upside down and backwards or whatever it is. That's like, that must be because the stars and bars are symmetrical. Are they not? Right. (laughs) Yeah. The other thing that Sean clocks is that there is a security camera kind of above the nook that has a, uh, has like a dust offset where it had recently been angled. So it used to catch anything that was in that cranny, but it no longer does by design. Then we get um, a look at like these crappy, these crappy old guns and armory. And he's like, these aren't even that great of guns because he notices a little chip in the ivory handle of one of them. And Gus is like, yeah, they're not that great. The Lexinglass case is worth more than them. In case the guns decide to fire themselves. Because Lexinglass is worth a lot because it's bulletproof. That's common knowledge, Sean. People know that. Who? What kind of people? Charlton Heston? Yes, and your mama. (laughs) They're at some sort of like 1950s exhibit and Gus hears something and freaks out and Sean's like, Gus, don't be a traveling Wilbury. Look, Christine's here. Yeah, Gus is like (laughs) jumping at, at, at nothing. But they walk up to this like old school refrigerator and they want one for, well, Sean wants one for the psych office. And it's got a label that says, do not touch. But it's also running. Why would the motor be running on an exhibit? Okay, okay. Wait a second. Because the motor kicks on, Sean turns around to confer with Gus, and Gus is gone. (laughs) This is not the first or the last time this has happened, and it's going to happen more in this episode. So Gus is gone, and he sort of, like, walks back up as Sean starts to fuss around with this fridge and he points out that it says no touching and Sean just flicks that sign off he goes not anymore (laughs) so then he like yanks it open and oops out falls the night watchman the next scene is so beautiful because we don't really know what time it is when they notice the when they find Hastings but the next scene is the next morning the day guard comes opens the door as soon as the door is open Gus books it out of there We hear the car turn on. We hear the tire squealing. He knocked over the old security guard who works day shift. He's gone. He almost knocked that man down the stairs. Gus should be ashamed. He's got a plan. At the psych office, Gus starts looking for talismans to help with the spiritual injustice from last night at the museum. Yeah. Sean walks in and goes, "Uh, you are here. What are you even doing? And he's on a website called Wolfsbane Universe. (laughs) And... At one point, Sean zeroes in on the page. He's like, they sell Wolfsbane online? He's like, yeah, in bulk. So the page says, Wolfsbane uses for honoring Hecate, baneful work. It's a Saturn herb and anti-shapeshifting. Baneful work. What? (laughs) Someone doesn't know how to witch if they're calling it baneful. I was really hoping you were going to explain that to me. I was so lost, but I'm happy it was supposed to be lost. But my favorite line is Gus looking, Gus was like double fisting the computers. He was looking up some 
talismans on his com- ta- tal- talismans on his computer, some talismans on Sean's computer, and he goes, "If only I had a cat." You got McNabb's number because the little boy cat. Yeah, well, was it little boy cat? It was from the eleven forty four episode. Yeah. yeah, and he took the guy's cat home. Sean is trying to talk him into believing that it's not something mystical. He's like, it's a dead guy, which means that it was likely a real flesh and blood killer. I'm sorry that I tricked you into this, but I need you. I need you to help me. We need to call Lassie. No more spooky stuff. I promise. Cut to the cemetery where they are raising a man's coffin out of his grave. I didn't know that they'd be exhuming a body. I promise. Wiles 4 is mad. So they're exhuming Wiles 3, which is the dead guy. And the young Wiles is mad about it. And Sean, I don't even understand the purpose of it, but goes, white socks and black black shoes. What's the rule on that? Only if you're wearing jeans, right? And Gus isn't having it. He's just so mad that Sean did this to him. Enter Juliet. We get some details on the case. So she says... The coroner report just came in. Wiles was strangled. No, not Wiles. Hastings Hastings. was strangled. (laughs) Hastings, the night guard, was strangled. And then Sean says, correct me if I'm wrong, but can't we get fingerprints? Well, normally, yeah, but the hands were wrapped in some sort of cloth. There were linen fibers embedded in his neck. And they found 3,000-year-old spores on those fibers that came from inside the sarcophagus. sarcophagus. And then it's just kind of like a spooky moment. (laughs) Spooky Halloween. (laughs) Henry's house. Henry's house. Henry's cleaning up a storm. Yes, like a fiend. That's what I wrote. He's been leaving messages for Sean on his phone. And Sean's like, Dad, I broke my phone. Yeah. And then behind the boys, on the counter... Um, is a mass of produce. There's some tomatoes, there's a celery, there's a pineapple! (laughs) I, how many episodes has it been since we've had a pineapple? Like, at least three. I believe there wasn't one in A Crime of Fashion. Episode 14, what was 14 called? There was one, maybe two in episode 13, Lights, Camera, Homicidio. Yes. And then 14, 14 was called Sales Reptitude. Dislodged. Oh, yes. Was there, I don't think there was a pineapple in that one. There might not have been a pineapple in that one. So no 14, no 15. But yes, there's one in 16. Oh, there's two in 16. I only found one. I'm excited to hear about it. Sean and Henry are fighting over who has more important things to talk about. And Henry's like, I have stuff to talk to you about, but I don't want to talk about it in front of Gus. And Sean's like, I have stuff to talk about and I need to talk about it in front of Gus. Our stuff is more important. important. Ours involves a dead guy. Why do you always need to win, Sean? That's what Henry says. So what do you do when your best suspect sort of just doesn't exist anymore? Criminals disappear all the time. And if they're career criminals, they're crazy good at it sometimes. And Sean's just sort of going, uh, he goes, ugh. Sean, you've got to go back to your timeline. You refollow your steps to find out when the trail went cold. And then Henry gets super awkward and just is like, okay, but I want to talk to you. And he, he leans in real quiet and close to Sean and said, are you busy on Saturday? Sean says, why do you want me to go to your awkward class? 
Oh, forget it. <laughs> so he clams now, back up because he's Henry. Why does Henry not want to talk about this in front of Gus? We can discuss it later when we find out who the, the guest is, but it doesn't make any sense to me. I I don't know. Uh, it's it just it's clearly fraught. A lot of tension and unresolved feelings, and like maybe Henry assumes because Sean won't share things with him that he doesn't share things with Gus, and so Gus would be like, "Oh, that's great. That's not awkward at all. Your divorced parents." That you have conflicted feelings about the relationship of. <laughs> I think Gus would get it. I don't think Henry knows that Gus would get it because he and Sean communicate so badly. That that tracks, I guess, for this situation. <laughs> At the Santa Barbara Police Department, Sean, nope, Jul- Juliet and Lassiter want to throw Chief Vic a going away party. She doesn't want fuss, though. But uh, it doesn't matter because Lassiter hears that the news coverage is breaking, and he leans back and just starts listening. Over the TV, we hear that Wiles' death, Wiles Three's death, was formerly known as an accidental fall, but now an employee has come forward and is pretty sure that she or he heard a fight that was going on when we thought that Wiles was home alone. Yes. So then she says that the SBPD was unavailable for comment, and... Who's not giving me my messages? He turns back and the women are just staring at him in silence. And he goes, cupcakes. Yes. With cuffs on them. A- and sprinkles. With little cuffs on them. We're really going to miss you. <laughs> and then we hear just sort of in the background that Wiles III was a famous collector of war memorabilia. Duh, 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 duh. As the TV is saying that, we cut through the TV to the psych office where... Sean is watching that same footage and Gus is taking Henry's advice quite literally and doing a background check on Robin Totem. Yeah, he's going back to the whole before death and he's like, oh, his life was like this and he had 11 sons and blah, blah, blah. And Sean's like, we only care about the pertinent stuff, you know, after he was a mummy. We get a numbers board moment where Sean just starts writing stuff up on the the window or whatever. And he was like, okay. The dude was in Cincinnati. He wasn't killing anyone there. Then he went to Plano, Texas. No deaths there. That was two days on a truck. Then to our museum help, museum warehouse to be on display at our museum the very next day. Gus says, what's that little thing you drew? And next to Texas, it was a bowl of chili. And he goes, (laughs) what about up there? And he's like, that's Austin Kearns. So by Cincinnati, he drew a man named Austin Kearns, who was a baseball player he played for a lot of Ohio teams, the Cincinnati Reds for a time. Apparently it's okay. pertinent in their universe. That is where they decide they're going to start. So they head to the warehouse and Ken comes out. Oh, Ken he's is like the face. He's the foreman. Yeah. Okay. He's the foreman at the, at the warehouse. And Sean introduces Gus as, this is my partner, Patty Simcox. <laughs> Did you know that Patty Simcox is actually a character from Greece? Yes. Oh, okay. I was trying to be. <laughs> I was she, trying to be cool about that. Isn't she the goody two shoes? Two, two mm-hmm. Blah 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 blah. Um, I think Gus kind of is the Patty Simcox, but he thinks he's the Rizzo. Yeah. No. <laughs> or no. Sorry. He thinks he's Sandy at the end of the movie. That's what he thinks. Ah, uh, yeah. So well. I feel like Gus would be, or I feel like Sean would be Sandy. No, Sean thinks he's Kaniki. 
Oh, that's <laughs> So, Sean is there to talk to him about the Rock'em Sock'em Mummy. Gus, Gus's reaction is, I want to know if there have been any instances of things exploding for no reason. <laughs> Hiccups. <laughs> Hiccup. I hope that came through. And Ken knows nothing. They don't let him go anywhere besides the warehouse. He says this room, but they're outside, sis. Sean uses his friendship with Sophie and is like, well, I mean, I can call the curator and let her know that you're not being helpful. I didn't have anything for this. They want to know what happens at the docks, at the warehouse. And he was like, things shows up. The museum curator, or the museum rep does a inspection of what they're going to do, and then we put it out on the floor. That's it. Sean's like, okay, that makes sense, and does his, like, casual walking around, turning around thing, and he sees that same camera that we noticed last night. Like, there's a tripod on that hill. I knew it was a tripod. So they run. I told you it was a tripod. (laughs) They run towards it, and then they see a figure on the hill, and then she, like, pieces out real fast. And then instead of running up the hill, they sort of run around to the parking area where they think she's going to be going. Their running is so beautiful. It reminds Kayla's me- making this face like, beautiful? No, it's not beautiful. It's terrible. It reminds me of Phoebe Buffay when she and Rachel decide to go running in Friends. That could easily be it. Yeah. It's, it's, very, it's very crazed. <laughs> Childish running. The young, the young lady is like... I'm sorry, I know I promised not to shoot there, but I just need one more night for my project. She is working on a project called Night Cycle. Which is a really boring name for something, unless it's about a motorcycle that comes alive at night and solves crime. And does sweet wheelies. (laughs) They come to find out that she does, in fact, have footage of at least a little part of the museum from Tuesday night when the murder, theft, mummy incident happened. Right, the murder of the incident. they have to go back to her shop to see it. So we're in the film room, and I never got this girl's name. Did you get a name? No. So the film student, she takes off her hat and all her blonde hair falls out. And then we're like... And that's apparently Gus's type. He's trying to sniff her hair. Skinny, flaky white girl. Kind of boring looking, but whatever. Yeah. So Gus is trying to impress her. He, he keeps throwing out all these video stats. I didn't write down any of them. They were nonsense to me. Sean's throwing out nonsense. I was like, same thing. <laughs> uh, apparently, this is what I got. A normal video takes footage at a speed of 30 frames per second. But Gus is like, no, it's actually 29.97. Unless you're videographing in HD, at which point it's 23.54. But because she's doing a time lapse, she's only taking one frame per minute. And they're like, okay, let's try to find the mummy. This super dramatic music is playing. Yeah, she's trying to compensate for like how much, how many more frames that means. So she's like going kind of slow through it. And then all of a sudden, there's a mummy on the screen. And then it's gone. And then... Sean goes... Gus runs away again. Yeah, well, Sean goes, holy crap, dude, did you see that? And Gus is gone. His, like, chair is still spinning. Sean said, no one can reach through the screen and grab you. Come back. That is a film reference, but I don't know what it is. Poltergeist? Uh, I'm gonna say yes, because I have no idea. No idea. I don't know. Um, Maybe it's Tron. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) As we keep going, Sean sees the backup lights of a white van 
that had been in the parking lot and then all of a sudden was also gone. And Gus's line here is so perfect. Great. Now we have a mummy on our hands and that SOB knows how to drive a stick. <laughs> Sean wants to call, or Gus wants to call the police. Sean says, no, we don't have any phones. We need to do our thing. We need to find that man. But don't worry because he knows where it's at. Unless it's moved in the last two hours, I know where it's parked. Back in the loading dock. The van is there. Good job, Sean. I was going to say, we see the van. We get out of the blueberry. The van drives away. Sean sees the shady foreman um, is sitting in his wheelchair at the top of the, the loading dock. And um, then they get back in the blueberry and we get an 11 point turn. I counted them. Were there 11? It was in fact an 11 point turn. Oh my God. So then, then after we finally do that. Dude, he's not even going to be in California by the time you turn around. Just keep turning the wheel. I don't want to hit anything, Sean. This is a company car. (laughs) So we finally give chase. And then he's going so fast and Sean's like, he's going to try and make this sharp turn. He's never going to make it. And then he makes it, but then immediately loses control and crashes into a tree. Sean's like, we need to go check on that person. They just hit a tree. Um, They might be hurt, they might be dead, they might need our help, and Gus said, or our organs. (laughs) So. They still don't have any phones, so, okay. Again, I gotta ask. They don't have any phones, but they have a baseball bat and two flashlights within the blueberry. Yes, yes they do. Do you carry two flashlights in your car, Kaylee? I don't carry one flashlight in my car. I carry one. I don't carry two. Do I carry a baseball bat in my car? I have other weapons, but they aren't as big or as long-reaching, unfortunately, as a baseball bat. I want an extendable (laughs) baton! That's my dream. (laughs) Anyway. uh, They start walking towards the van. This super creepy music is playing. We hear a rustling in the woods, and we look over, and we sort of see a figure running away. Then we look, and we see that the van's door is ajar. And so we put our flashlights up to the window. There's a mommy face! (laughs) Gus is freaked out. He has some pretty good lines in this scene. Like, I think this might be the most terrifying moment of my life. And Sean's saying, I'm pretty sure there's no one there. And Gus is like, how sure are you? (laughs) Good. Because I don't think I can take one more. Yep, money. Sean books it. Oh yeah. Sean's gone. Um, Gus was trembling before and now he just sort of like, is like, I can't believe he just ran away from me. (laughs) But Gus has done it twice already just this episode. I think Gus's, like, fight-flight-freeze kicked in, and the freeze kicked in. That, I don't like that one. I'm I'm afraid that I will freeze in a situation like that. Oh. yeah. I'm certain I will, because my name is Gus. No, uh, we go to the Santa Barbara Police Department, and Sean is trying to talk Lassiter into going with them. I'm telling you, Carly Town, another good Lassiter name. I'm telling you, Carly Town, you gotta come with us on this. So he says, Sean, unless you're gonna be psychic about Wiles' blunt force trauma that we just found on his coroner report, um, you're gonna need to run along. But I have the best reveal ever. On top of a uh, blunt force trauma, they also found a chip of ivory in the uh, Wiles' three's head. Yeah, Juliet tells us this, and then... Um, Lasseter says, the only reason he took that stupid museum case is because Wiles IV is on the board of directors. And Sean goes, oh God, I can solve both. I can solve both. He's like, Lasseter? Oh, 
Lassner also said that Wiles IV wasn't answering his phone. And Sean says, well, call that man on his cell phone because he's not at home. And Juliet goes, what? And Sean goes, we got it. And then he and Gus do their up and down happy dance jump. (laughs) (laughs) Sean says, meet meet us at the museum. And Gus said, why can't they just meet us at a well-lit Starbucks? One more time, buddy, for justice. That's it. So we're back at the museum, and it's time for a spectacle. Wiles 4 is like, what am I doing here? What is going on? And Lassiter said, I don't know, but whatever it is, I'm taking full credit for it. <laughs> In the mummy room, we've got Lassiter, and Jules, and Chief, and Sophie, and Wiles the fourth, and Sean and Gus. Wiles is still very frustrated, and looks at Chief and said, I'll have your job. And Chief Vic just claps back. Well, it's too late for that. Someone else already does. <laughs> so we get Sean arising out of the Snuffleupagus. And <laughs> Not my first time alone in a coffin. <laughs> and Sean says, the mummy arose and then strangled the guard. And Gus said, I said it first. I said it was a mummy. And then Sean calls the mummy, rub my bottom. But that being was not mummy, rub my bottom. It was you. He never made it out of the van. It was, hey, or it was somebody wrapped in just enough tea-stained linen to make him think that that was a mummy through the crack in the lid. Yeah, and he says that the warehouse foreman swapped out the real mummy for this bozo. And Wiles said, whatever you're talking about is ridiculous. And Sean says... Are you sure you don't mean genius? You're the one that got into the Snuffleupagus wrapped in just enough tea-stained linen to look like a mummy through the cracked lid in order to get your pistol back, especially the one with the chipped ivory in it. It was the murder weapon. And then Lassiter has this brainwave and he goes, that was the murder weapon. You bopped him on the head and then he fell down the stairs and you ran and waited for somebody else to discover the body. But you weren't expecting the pistol to be willed to the museum. So you came in to try to get it back. And that's when the curator is like, oh, that's why you were trying to keep the exhibit closed and wanted to delay the surveillance update. And Sean says, you couldn't get into the case, but you got caught in the museum. And that's when he strangled the night guard. And then Lassiter calls him a busy, busy little boy. Everyone kind of keeps rolling in, and Sean does not get to finish his recap, and he's pretty upset about it. Yeah, and Chief... Uh, uh, but they all stole it from him. Yeah. Chief says, I think you're going to be my final Santa Barbara arrest. Lights out. Sean is left alone. Not before saying, because <laughs> he's still trying to psych out, he just goes, I saw him run away in the forest! Chief Vic is having her exit party. And we find out that the new chief is actually an old friend of the mayor's. And Chief Vic kind of knew that he always wanted him for the job. We skipped our pineapple number two. Oh, please. All right. So when we enter the scene, we have Jules and Chief. And there's tables full of gifts. Gift baskets. Right on top in the corner of the screen is a pineapple with a purple ribbon on it. Like a big bow. Ah. So we know who that's from. Of course, that makes total sense. And then that's when Juliet says, can't you please stay? (laughs) Um, Sean is being kind of insensitive, and he holds up this glass fish, and he's like, oh, are you going to need this? And Gus is like, dude, calm your buns. And Sean just looked at him and said, she'll be fine. Yeah. 
So we find out that the mayor wanted Ray Sauter, his old friend, but Ray only recently became available, and Chief just did what she had to do. So then um, I just wrote, Sean does his nonsense, and then somebody runs into the room and goes, Phone! It's the mayor calling! Chief Vic answers and then at some point goes, Sir, you don't have to beg. Uh, Oh, you are begging? Everyone's kind of making these faces at her while she's on the line. And then she hangs up and she just goes, I'm the new chief. Yay! Everybody celebrates! Gus said, no more interim. And Vic said, don't you dare call me that again. And Gus is like screaming, running, jumping. (laughs) So then, um... Is it Buzz who brings in the paper? Or, no, it's Lassiter. Lassiter walks in with the Santa Barbara mirror, and on the front page, because it bumped Lassiter's arrest to page two, Sauter, the man who was going to be hired for the chief job. Having an affair or something like that? Cheating scandal, front page. It's it's a whole big scandal, yeah. And the picture says, by Bruton Gaster. And no one else seems to notice, but Chief and... um, Sean make a ton of eye contact and she's like you've been playing this from the other side for me this whole time because <laughs> he has known what's going on and he's been making the moves <laughs> Lassiter has a real moment of being happy and just looked at Karen or looked at Chief Vic with a genuine smile and said congratulations Karen you can tell that Lass- Lassie's happy about this um, but even more than that, Chief Vic is ready for her party. Open some crackers and a bottle of something. Let's celebrate. Woo-hoo! Oh, I love that. And then we just have one more teensy tiny scene. Henry is still cleaning his stinking house. <laughs> so Henry and Sean are bickering. And he's like, are you sure? Are you sure, Sean? You didn't get any special messages this week? Sean's like, yeah, no phone. Remember? Dad, I don't know if you if you just read The Secret. Yeah, it's a book. Or watched an emotional Oprah or what. But I don't think we're ready for that sort of opening our souls to each other moment. Sean, Sean, you don't understand. There's something I've got to get off my chest. Sean, I have to talk to you about something. And Sean's like, I got a date with a lady from a museum and that's new for me. I'll get the door for you on my way out because the doorbell's ringing. And then Sean opens the door. Mom? And it ends. It just ends. That is the season finale. Woo! That's a good, that's a good cliffhanger. Cause like, it's like important for like the personal plot, but it doesn't like leave the crime unsolved. Right. Which we, which happens later on in the series, but sort of, it's a happy cliffhanger for this one. Yeah. A lot of the yin yang stuff gets left hung, but I'm, that's usually it. I'm so pumped that that starts next season. It does. It goes on for so long. Okay, so back to back to Gus not being allowed to know that mom is coming. We don't see mom, by the way, everyone. Yeah, we still don't know who's playing her, but it's a doozy. Yes. <laughs> we'll talk about that in two weeks. <laughs> but um, I don't know why Gus can't know. But besides that, my two favorite parts of this episode. One are all of Gus's one-liners. They're beautiful. I was trying really hard to like pick out my favorite Gus one-liner for my quote at the end, but I also love all of the messed up Egyptian words, like snuffleupagus and rub my bottom. Yeah, I didn't like nerf her titty as much. Yeah, no, but they, they were all just 
It, it was a perfect Sean moment. Rock'em Sock'em Mummy. <laughs> Rock'em Sock'em Mummy. I don't have a lot more. We got a little bit of everybody. Um, I thought it was a good episode. It went really fast. And I could tell that Levi was surprised when it was over. I was like, yeah, it felt really short. It felt like it should be movie length, right? <laughs> yeah. I am just finally happy that we got a I've Heard It Both Ways. This is our first official I've Heard It Both Ways. And it's ways. the end of season two. Yes. Oh my gosh. We got an almost. Wasn't that at the beginning of season two? The I've Seen It Both Ways? No, that was Scary Sherry. That was in season one. Oh, you're right. You're right. So it's a it's a good thing to be there. But this episode, yeah, just this is just everything. Yeah. I adore it. I adore it. There are so many Gus quotes that I have written down that I didn't even get to say because I love them so much. Are you just going to like but I, do a whole run of them at the end? <laughs> the episode would have been all, all way too long. No, no, I'll just stick with my one. On that note, uh, shall we wrap up the, the podcast? Bye season two. I'm Alexis. I want a new plaque, Sean. I want it tomorrow. I want my name in yellow letters that blink. And why won't you even tell me what this museum case is about? And I'm Kaylee. Uh, facts and logic are in the corner of the guy who thinks he's going to get his face melted off. And, and this has been... Sue the, the Blueberry! Blueberry! Psych out.